hello. Welcome to episode 13 of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things for One Life Church, but also things that we think could relate to you and your one and only life. And we want to continue having a conversation and joining us back from vacation. We have our lead pastor, Brett Nicholson. Hey, Sarah. It's great to be back. It really is. And I awesome. sound rested, don't I? Yeah, you do good. sound rested. Right. What was that like? Did you have a good, nice break? No, I was. It was a, it was a great break. I really did. Yeah. It's important to take breaks, especially this time of year. Very much so, this time of year. And and what I have learned on a serious note when it comes to the break thing is mental break is more important than the physical break. Mm. Because if you most of us work in mental jobs, mental-oriented jobs, and if you keep thinking about your job while you're on your break, that's a mistake. And someone taught me that a few years ago, and it revolutionized my rest periods. And now I've, I do. I, I, I made it where I didn't allow myself to think about my normal job or routines. Yeah. And so I haven't thought about it all until today. It's, I feel like so. it's, it's got to be a little more difficult, like in today's culture, where, I mean, you, you can get information from your phone really quickly. You can oh, see yeah. an email or a text just and to not respond to it. That's hard. Yep, yep. You got to just let it all go because it'll be there when you get back. That's, you that's gotta, true. That's what I was trained to. The guy said, hey, just remember you're resting up for when you get back because you are going back and you need to, you need your mind fresh because uh, your mind will otherwise will get in ruts and you don't have a creative thought at all. Creative thought mm-hmm. needs expansion and, and rest, so... I'm ready. Well, cool. We're glad you're back. And joining well, us today you. on the podcast, we have our executive director of One Life Church, Natalie Jaranowski. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Natalie. Great to be here. <laughs> and then uh, joining us for a second week in a row is Matt Breivogel. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Matt. Great to be here. <laughs> and then you guys all said the same thing. Good job. Uh, it's pretty great. Um, and Matt actually got to teach yesterday at One Life Church and kind of started a, a conversation. We want to continue that today. So, Matt, I'm going to ask... Um, kind of first of all, if you can kind of give us a little bit of an overview of just some of the story that you got to talk about yesterday. Yeah, um, we're going through shadows, looking at stories in the Old Testament portion of the Bible that we can see how they point to Jesus and how or how he fulfilled those things. And um, God just put it on my heart to pick kind of a, a weird one, for being honest. It's a story about people getting bit by snakes as judgment from God um, as they complained in the wilderness. And then God has Moses make a snake out of bronze and put it up on a pole so they can look at it and get healed from that snake. And then Jesus references this passage in John chapter three and says that he'll be lifted up like that snake was lifted up. Anybody who looks at him gets eternal life. And that's what we got to talk about. That's a lot of cool stuff. To, can I ask you a question real yes. quick? Did you said you felt like God wanted you to do a weird one? Yeah. Was that the story itself or God said, pick out a weird one? I think it was the story itself, because when we started talking about the idea of the series, that story popped in my head and wouldn't leave. Yeah. And it just is not one that you normally just, you know what, let's get, let's talk about, because everybody relates to being bit by snakes. That's right, snake on the pole. And then the snake on the pole, you know, like. (laughs) It's true. That's a good point. But it's in there and it's fun. And I think it piques people's interests, even though it's weird. And so that's, that's, I like to talk about stuff. Yeah, like it was that. fun to study, I'm sure. Yeah. When when do you think like that became something that popped into your head? Like when when was that story something that became something you thought about? Like not just for this message, but in general, because when sure. you taught on it, I mean, I'm sure I've heard it, but it wasn't something that was like, oh yeah, I remember that story. I like, had to really think about it. That's a great question. It probably came more out of studying John than out of studying numbers. I'll tell you that. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just, sense. if I'm being honest, I was probably... I don't remember how long ago I first came across it and looked into it, um, but just probably in studying through the Gospel of John. And if you're just looking at that, you know, passage, uh, chapter three, which is a fascinating chapter in itself, it's one of my all time favorites, and it sticks out like a sore thumb. 
But what we were talking about a second ago, though, sometimes you just glance right through it because there's all this other stuff going on. Like John 3.16 is the following verse, you know. So um, I don't know, probably just studying John. And then it's not a story you forget easily. Right. Natalie and I talked about that this morning. We were just having a conversation talking about your message, which is great, having conversation after that. And if you haven't listened to Matt's message, you can do that on the One Life app or at onelifechurch.org. actually added messages at the top because someone said they were having a hard time finding it last week, so we're trying to make it really easy for you to find messages on our website. Um, But we were talking about how how often we know the verse John 3.16 and probably have read even after that, um, or is it, it's right before, mm-hmm. uh, where it talks about the, the serpent on the pole. And I never, like we were talking like, why did I never go back and say, what's that mean? I don't think I know that. Oh, I know. I've read, I've read that chapter so many times before. And I think I've just sort of glazed right over it and not even thought about it. And then I was like, I actually kind of wanted to look it up and make sure you were right that it was there because I was like, what? I appreciate that. I, <laughs> I need that fact check. <laughs> fact check. Wait a minute. I've never read that. And then there it was. So I have read it. It was confirmed, it. everyone. That it was confirmed. It was actually in there. I, I wonder if we just see like, oh yeah, Moses did something, blah, blah, blah. Keep going. John three sixteen. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's like, wait, wait, wait. We're about to get to the good one. Uh, yeah, that's right. It's, it's coming. But it helps you understand the good one a lot on a lot deeper level if you go ahead and reference that because that was and I guess our point is in the shadows thing is that was first of all Jesus um, Tim Keller called his Jesus operating system of his mind was the Old Testament and that's where everybody around him thought and so when he was talking to a Jewish scholar Mm -hmm. he would have gone back to that point those stories were very uh, they had heard those stories over and over and over and over and over again and so they would have naturally had all that visual imagery to go with it and so it's, it, it becomes a lot richer when you go ahead and immerse yourself in that world instead of making it your own. Yeah, it's beautiful. And through this series, it's becoming more and more real to me, just the reality of the one story of the Bible. I know I've already known that and have processed that and, and been studying it in that way. But when you just intentionally do it like we have throughout this series, I've been absolutely loving it. And what actually caught me by surprise is, Throughout, through my study of this and when I was preparing, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 actually talking about the wilderness and it subtly bringing up the snakes in that as well and using that as an application point for the church to learn these lessons from the Old Testament. He's like, that's in there so you can read it and learn from it. Paul's saying that in the New Testament. It's, it's yeah, powerful. Yeah. It's good stuff. Then he warns them not to grumble. Yeah, he does. <laughs> that's a nice little warning there. That's right. Speaking of, Matt, we do have oh. to highlight... Um, I loved your translation of the original Greek translation there that you did. Hebrew. Hebrew, Thank you. Uh, Translation. Mm. I I was actually at West where you were teaching live uh, for service over there and actually cheered afterwards, which was pretty funny. They were proud of me. For my hard work. Because <laughs> you, you did the, the whiny voice yeah. Hebrew thing. Okay, yeah. you got cheered over there. His, so. I think everyone was like ready. They're like, oh, he's going to speak like some Hebrew language here. And then Matt does uh, a whiny voice. I had their so. attention, didn't I? Yeah, you did. That was the whole this thing. pretty funny. That's you right. guys should go and, back and watch that. And I have to give credit where credit is due. That was my wife's idea <laughs> to say it in a voice like that. Oh, it was, it's, really? Yeah, it was my is best. Is this because she's surrounded by those voices yeah, uh, probably. all the time? <laughs> she's got great sense of humor. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, I, we, I was... I always kind of go through my sermon with her before I have to teach it, and uh, she gives me good feedback like that. That's where that comes from. I think this is the first time we've ever heard that, that that oh. was your your methodology for how you arrive at your your great final final product. That's you know, part so of it. Shout it out is. to Amanda there. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's great. That's, that's good because I, 
I, I don't do that with my messages. Uh, you mean Krista's not hanging on every every word and, <laughs> she, and giving you this positive she, feedback? Well, I mean, she hears them on Sunday, but she didn't hear pre. I mean, but mm. every now and then she's pulled me aside and said, I don't think you should say that or something like that. <laughs> well, maybe Amanda <laughs> could ways. start helping Brett that's be right. a little funnier. Maybe that's right. We that. could bring Amanda in, where, you know, the, you know, the good, good humor stuff. So I get asked this a lot. Um, and I'm going to ask you the same thing. What were some things that you discovered in the course of studying that um, that story that just hit the editing room floor? You just couldn't get into it. You would have liked to have gotten into it, but it was kind of like, ah, I would love to go there, but I just can't do that. There's not space and time and everything else. Is there one that stands out? Yeah, there's there's a couple. Let me see if I can choose out of the two. Mostly they were kind of like application points because I felt like I was doing so much for the context, um, I had to kind of be short on how we apply it to our lives because I was getting so much personally out of it right. for application. And one of them was just God's relationship with Israel in that specific time, just the reality that they were just came out of spending their entire lives in Egypt under this other realm of religiosity and all these gods and all this. Um, and, and so suddenly they're having to try to follow the one true God with all the rules that he just gave them and, and to get on the stuff. And I always critique them, you know, for their grumbling and their struggles, but man, and I started to think of it as kind of like, if you think of new Testament, how it would be a picture of this is like this God, this adoption thing, you know, God just got the people to make them his own, but he got like teenagers who've already learned all these really bad habits. <laughs> and he's trying right. to do like this behavior stuff, like to try to, re like change their minds towards like doing things his way. And it just looks like this, like kind of like I saw this family struggle happening. Right. <laughs> like there was just really hard on both sides. And I was kind of really feeling for them because although they do some dumb things, seemingly I was really, I had a lot more empathy for them studying at this time um, than I had before. So I've seen a lot of that. Before, like you think it's just because now you've grown a little older and you've got your own family and you've got your own soul and life and your own shortcomings that it just it's a little harder to throw rocks at those people. Yeah, is most that, likely. That, yeah, I found that. Okay. Um, yeah, there was something else though. Now that might. Can I throw you one? Please. Might because you and I talked. We, <laughs> oh, we did. Yeah. We talked about this. There, that that snake reappears. Oh yeah. Later in the Bible, which is fascinating. What? We, we talked about that. It, it does not Where? before John. This is true. Second Kings, the snake that's on the pole, 18. not the ones that bit people. Not the ones that bit people. Okay. No, he doesn't do that again. Well, see, Usually I God's find pretty my... unique about each little plague or. I wonder what happened to those snakes. So there are snakes everywhere. They're biting people. Did they just like go away? Did they die? What? Well, where are all the snakes at? Oops. I don't know. Where were all the locusts at? Exactly. They moved on. Yeah, yeah. They, they might be in, you know, Boonville. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the snake reappears. I'm not making that up, yeah. and it's a fascinating little story. It's in Second Kings. Mm -hmm. So it, yeah, it, Hezekiah, one of the few good kings that Israel gets right, and he's goes around. There's all these different idols to all these gods, and he's smashing them. And then it's just out of nowhere says, and then the bronze snake that Moses made in the wilderness is there. They're lighting incense to it. It's basically alluding to that they're worshiping it, and he destroys it because they're worshiping what the snake rather than the god who. Made the told them to make the snake so they could be healed, right? Yeah, and uh, that's just a fascinating picture of idolatry. It is like this is hundreds mm. of years later. This snake thing that he made, which would be cool to have around. Let's admit, this is the snake that Moses made. Oh, yeah. But somebody decided to start burning incense to it and worshiping it and turning it into an idol, and so they had to get rid of it. Uh, which is a huge commentary on on human 
Yeah. Right. And this stuff, like, that's what I kind of said on Sunday. This stuff seems so outlandish, but it, if you just look at the, what's happening in the story and the people's hearts and what's really going in, although we're not used to thinking about doing these things to snakes, we worship other things, right. you know, like technology or comfort or whatever that God provides. Um, if you can transplant that, it's very practical right now to our yeah, lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Especially because he won't. He uses it to warn not to grumble, which yes, you know, I'm hoping we're really good at that. Many of us got that. <laughs> so <laughs> that, I, that warning. Uh, were you were I, you hoping I, you came back from vacation to no grumbling? Yeah, no was grumbling. That the yeah, hope? That's right. Uh, it may, maybe it was. Yeah. Well, and I guess I would have to ask uh, from you guys being at different campuses and what was the effect of the message on people in general that when the conversations you had was it I, I tend to overlook cool things like that or was it don't grumble or was it God does interesting stuff. Oh, you- that, that was the thing in my growth group that I lead is the things in the Bible that we've read but have never never taken the time to dive deep into, just like that's right before John 3.16, but we've never taken the time to dive into that. Um, so I love this series that we're we're diving into those those things in the Bible that you read it and it's kind of a strange story, whatever, but the deeper significance behind it is very cool. So I, I think that's something a lot of people are really enjoying. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I agree. No, I, well, Sarah, it, you've typically got your pulse, you got your finger on the pulse of the... Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, that's what I've heard a lot of people talking about that as well. I mean, the idea, and even when we were talking this morning of just the idea of how many times have I gone through something where they've in the new Testament where either Jesus is talking and he re, he, um, relays a story that is probably from someplace like numbers that I've never thought oh, I want to go back and read that. Like I never think that I want to go back and read that. Why is that? Why don't I want to go back and read it? I just want to assume that I understand it and move on. Right. Um, but how many things have I missed? How many beautiful stories have I missed by not going back and reading numbers? And uh, Matt, first of all, thanks for for highlighting the podcast in your message. We appreciate that. Um, and throwing Dan in there, which is awesome because he really, he also sent an email and I meant to share this out um, of a bunch of blog posts. He has about numbers of Dan as well. So <laughs> we've got those we can share out. We'll oh, put yeah. them in the message our notes of this. residential so. numbers yeah. authority. We have our own. That's amazing. But yeah, I, I think that was my, my thought. And I, I've heard that from some other people of just, you know, there's a lot of things, the stories that maybe we've heard, but don't see them in the same way that we're kind of teaching them right now, which is, I think, really great. Yeah. Uh, when it when it comes to that, it, it is interesting. Like once you point it out to people, they're fascinated and they think, "Wow, that's really really neat." But standing on the outside looking in and being prompted to do it, most people don't do it. We it's it's like we love the getting there and having been there, but we don't like the thought of having to go there. So as you're reading through this story, I guess my question is, you knew it started weird, but I guess. You had been exposed to it before, but you hadn't probably ever studied in depth, maybe ever. I mean, is it you really looked at it in a deep way before in any time in your life? No, it, I, definitely not like this. Um, I've looked at the wilderness journey as a whole before, right. just in piece of Israel's history. Um, and then, you know, I probably, you know, saw the reference from John 3 that you'll have in your Bible. You know, if you have a Bible, even if it's not a study Bible, usually if something's quoting or another passage somewhere in the Bible or talking about, there'll be like a little footnote and you can follow that. Usually it'll show you where they got that little help. Um, and so I've just done that and they said, okay, that's where that is. And maybe I dove in a little bit and just kind of read the rest of the story to kind of know what Jesus is talking about and then continued back in John or something like that probably before. But yeah, this is probably the most I've ever studied numbers period this deeply, um, in order to teach. 
rather than just. So, like the mental journey, people, some people, uh, or maybe everybody, sees a story like that first and go, oh, that is very strange, very weird. It's a little spooky. Why would God do something like that? He's sending snakes in, they're biting people. Everybody hates snakes, on and on and on it goes. So, kind of mental journey with me, like, you, you went maybe from that surface thing to starting to cross the bridge into I see something else there. I mean, mm-hmm. can you talk to that a little bit about? Yeah. So in my mind, when you're looking at pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament, when Jesus himself gives you one, that excites me. That's at right. least kind of like, okay, well, this should be on some level an easy one. You know, they're not going to yeah. work too hard. <laughs> I have to put it pretty to make authority. The, yeah, to make the one-to-one, you know, um, correlation there. And so... One, I get excited about that, and two, because that's how I look at a lot of times, I said this last week, how the New Testament uses the Old Testament is fascinating to me. That resource that you let me use is, is really good, that book. Yeah. Um, but then weird stories are fun to me. <laughs> like, I want to know why snakes. I want to know, you know, I don't get a really bent up out of shape on when God does really weird stuff. I, I care about it and I think about it, but it doesn't affect me. Like, some people... Um, do and that's okay. I think we all kind of struggle right. with different things that God does for different reasons. Um, so I just wanted to know more about it. I got real excited historically, you know, okay, what would this thing have looked like? And they've actually found an ancient copper serpent, Midianite worship serpent from this time period um, that might have really? been made no, from the same that. area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so this saint could have been made out of bronze. The ancient Hebrew word for bronze could also be used for copper, apparently. I don't know. That's um, what people say on research places. So... <laughs> Anyways, but the one they found is is not very big. I always imagine this thing big, and who knows what it could have looked like. So, but they found one. You know, it's like a few inches long, and it's you know kind of curled up, and it's just this little snake thing that people would have worshipped. And so there was a lot of that serpent type of snake mythology and worship in different cultures in that time. And obviously, that was a big Mm. deal in Egypt. There's tons of that. Um, and so that kind of added into the feel of what the Israelites might have been thinking when they thought of snakes and and all of that. I think. So that was kind of fun to research that part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Why Why are snakes, like, why is that a thing? Like, it's creepy. Snakes are creepy to me. Like, it, they freak me out. Natalie, I'm sure, is not. She's not afraid of snakes. doesn't bother me a bit. See, and I like even snakes. a bit? No. Has that always been that way? Yeah. yeah. You didn't have to get, really? Even though it was uh, your five-year-old girl was walking, hey, it's a snake. Oh, it's no, I, I mean, like, I lived, I lived kind of out in the country, and I would catch garter snakes and stuff and chase my sister with them. Wow. Yeah. If somebody mm-hmm. put like a python in your hands, you'd hold it. Like, oh, no absolutely, big deal. absolutely. I'd, I'd be nervous. I'd be they don't bother natural. me a bit Isn't now. Biblical spiders. That you're supposed to be afraid of snakes. So. Spiders are spiders. different <laughs> thing <laughs> altogether. They have too many legs. Mm. <laughs> they go places you can't keep an eye on them. They're fast. Seeing spiders don't bother me. <laughs> See, there could yeah, be so. one on your head right now. You wouldn't even know. I, I love, like, I have this mental picture of you as a kid running around with snakes, like nunchucks, just mm-hmm. running around. I, just I mean, them. that's pretty accurate. Now, is your sister to this day scared of snakes? No. Because you were... Ch- yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, this... <laughs> at least you just got some yeah. ballads in there. Okay. Yeah. No, but snakes do all kinds of good things for the environment. Like, if you find a black rat snake in your yard, be happy. You will have no mice. Oh, oh, okay. Well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're fantastic. <laughs> now, okay, uh, now would they you don't rather go all, into your Sarah, kitchen yeah. and find a mouse or no. a rat or a snake? Uh, a snake? I would take oh, a snake any oh, day. A mouse. Any day. <laughs> I'd find any a day. snake my in my kitchen. Cringing. I don't think we'd ever go into not only our kitchen but our house again. I think it'd be like put it on the market. My girls gone. have a pet snake that was rescued from somebody's kitchen, actually. It's oh, an albino oh. corn snake. Okay. For real. 
don't know. That See, if we wouldn't have found this, used this Old Testament passage, we wouldn't have had that conversation. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's the right. Bible's the so bi- great. <laughs> the Bible's great for all kinds of stuff. <laughs> that's right. But I'm telling you, it says you're supposed to be a little freaked out by snakes. Where does it, it say that? In, in Genesis, it says literally, you know, be freaked out by snakes. It's really? part of the package, yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay. You have to Bible be able to read ancient language like me. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, Just yeah. like Matt does. Matt will translate right. for voice. you. That's good. <laughs> well, I do. I find that fascinating. So you freaked out by snakes too? I mean, I'm not freaked out freaked out but i don't want to really touch one yeah, but i'm not were, gonna yeah. like scream i pet i petted one once that's cool okay so but if, but if a bunch of them were kind of coming towards our whole church because no, they were grumbling too much and they started biting people okay well i mean i don't want to be yeah. bit by okay. a snake but but the majority of time i mean more, a snake's only going to bite you if you earned it hmm like if you, if okay i'll keep that yeah, mind so yeah, don't so, don't oh, grumble oh, oh. and don't yeah. look like a mouse it is cool that he built in the mercy to the curse in the story. Yeah. I mean, because the, it says if anyone has been bitten. So I would just start looking at the poll, period, like, and hope not to get bit. But Ooh. it didn't keep you from getting bitten, but it healed you once you were, correct? Yeah. I mean, that's as much as you get, you know, in, yeah. in the little bit of it. It's like, so you, but some of them definitely died. You yeah. get that first and foremost. And um, one commentator made an interesting comment um, that... You could assume possibly if you're making the foreshadow to even, you know, Christ's offer to look at him and live, that some people saw the offer and said no. He's wondering, like, oh, yeah, that makes that's, sense. That's a reality uh, like, there. The hearts are so hard that they're like still not turning towards. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold up the snake here and I'm not looking at that thing, especially because he told me to do it. I don't take my chances. So I have a question then yeah. that just came to me. So if. For us, as we read this, we see the story as a beautiful picture and representation of who Jesus is. And at the time, you know, like that was obviously was something they were looking forward to, but they didn't have the same um, information that we do. What would that have been to write that down in the Old Testament and the in the books for those people to study? What would have been the purpose of having that? Um, I definitely think that's a great question. It, for Israel um, is just another story of God's mercy, when undeserved mercy in the moment. Um, and God, you know, he could have let them all get bit by snakes and died. And, you know, like he said, he was going to do it at Sinai, start over with Moses, you know, but he still made a way. Um, there's this, if you look at the Bible as a whole, there's this continual thing of like, God saved a remnant. God saved a remnant. He was not going to give up on his promise and his people. Um, he'll always have mercy and save, um, out of, um, but there is the, you know, there was judgment right along with it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's there too. Right. But I think they would have saw that as one of those stories. There's a lots of them throughout. Yeah, like the cycle, just it's setting up kind of the perception of of the violation that we all have and then the and then the mercy as a result and that pattern. Uh, it's like with um with substitutionary atonement, it's the same basic right. idea. This gets reinforced all the time, all the time. That you can't justify yourself and you need God's uh, because that was a case where if if he hadn't done the snake on the pole thing, you're you're toast. It's over. Yeah. You know, you would just got bitten and and died like others, and that would be the end of that. And uh, but now it was a continual. God has to provide the mercy. God has to provide the the way out. Would be yeah. You know, how I'd look at it, I guess. Interesting way to do it, and and it's interesting because I try to make this point on Sunday. I don't know if I said as clear as I should, but the same thing that was the cause of their their curse, their pain, they had to look to to get the healing. And I was seeing that in the cross, you know, our sin is what's killing us. And Jesus is the picture of taking our sin, the disgustingness of our sin. The cross is not a beautiful thing, 
But at that moment, it's also the most beautiful thing that ever existed. It's kind of crazy in that sense. It's a, it is, yeah. That, that paradox is really, mm-hmm. uh, really fascinating because it, it. I think of the passage that says, "He who knew no sin became sin for us." And I heard somebody compare that to the snake on the pole. Like, like, why do you put a snake up there? Why didn't you put something that looked like an angel yeah. or you know, um, a mouse or anything that looked <laughs> or a spider, spider or something that somebody that wasn't? Uh, <laughs> like, why didn't yeah, you put spider. something that was? You know, why a snake? Because that could have been a symbol for what sin itself would look like and it was associated that way or whatever else. It's fun to try to interpret all those pictures. And you wonder which one's right because some of yeah. them have to be wrong. Yeah, that's why in the shadows thing, we have to be careful not to make applications that uh, some of it's kind of subjective. I know. And, but, and I had one of those. I don't know if you guys caught it, but Egypt, they had worshipped, you know, a snake god that was on the Pharaoh's mm-hmm. uh, headdress. Yeah. And, you know, God, when he did all the plagues on Egypt, he was systematically showing that he truly was God over all these things that they would have worshipped or had as idols and all of that. And so maybe this was another thing that he was trying to show the people, you know, snakes, I'm above those. I'm going to use snakes. You know, I'll show you that I truly can heal and do all that stuff. But it's not saying that he does that. I'm just wondering. I know. And you presented it that way, though. I mean, it's a, it's a good thing. to You're probably right. I, I think you were, you might have been on to something because it was a, it was a cool insight. But it's not anything you can just prove that, yes, this is what God was saying through it because it never tells you that. It doesn't. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Natalie, any other thoughts or questions from the message as you process? Uh, just just the overall thought that the Bible is so unbelievably rich and there's so many layers. In just this one story, there are so many different layers and there's so many stories in the Bible. I'm just fascinated by it. Yeah, It makes me want to dive in more and reread like the gospels and be like, okay, what else have I missed? I missed this little snake story thing, the reference there. So I'm, I'm wondering what else have I missed? I got to dig in a little deeper. Perfect. It reminds me of what Karen Kizen said about Bible reading. She quoted a rabbi who said that you, now I forgot what the actual quote was, sorry. Uh, but you never are done reading the Bible or you, you right. never read uh, because you change. Like mm-hmm. if you revisit a story, like we're going to be doing Joseph this coming week, I hadn't, I probably haven't taught on that story in 15 years, something like that. So I haven't visited it. Wow. And so when you go back to it, yeah, you, you do, you see it with different eyes because it's, you're different and you've experienced life different. And some of the subtleties are a lot more meaningful than they might've been before. So it's a good reason to keep, don't, don't just assume, you know, because yeah, everybody's heard the story of Joseph. Yeah, I got it. You know, but no, you don't. Cause you, there's all kinds of subtleties in there that it's very easy to overlook and, and forget about and, forget that you have changed and your life has done other things to you. I'm looking forward to the Joseph one. Um, for me, that was one of the Old Testament stories that when I first studied it and heard articulated and pointing to Jesus and all of that, it was pretty life-changing time for me as far as seeing that for the first time in that story because I was you know, in a place and at an age where I felt like I truly related to Joseph and where he was at. And, and it was really cool. So I'm looking forward to seeing. And, and you heard uh, Jesus pointed to in that? Yeah, you, you, I truly did. It really? Was, was that growing up or was that like when no, you were No, I was in college. Okay. Um, when, so this is probably the first time I'd ever heard this done in the Old Testament. And it was really cool for me. I was at a church that preached through the book of Genesis starting, you know, and then so, you know, how Jesus is the greater Adam, you know, who was tempted in the in the garden, but yet succeeded in trusting God. And, and Jesus right. is the greater Abraham, the greater Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joseph, all of that, you know, the tabernacle, the, you know, Ark of the Covenant. And it's just going through 
Oh, okay. Well, that's a little farther than Genesis, but you know what I mean. So. Right, sure, yeah. Old territory to you then. No, no. <laughs> that sounds it, cool. It, it changed how I read the Bible. It was really awesome. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I got distracted because I was thinking that one, we had talked about this not too long ago, that we wanted to hear a little bit of Matt's kind of story of how the, the Bible became something more than, I don't know, just something you had to do with something you wanted to do, something you kind of found excitement in. Is that part of that story for you? Yeah, probably one of the biggest parts of it is kind of finally hearing that, you know, a Sunday morning message is a lot bigger than you know, hearing the story of Joseph and how does this help me be a better person like Joseph and run from temptation, right? Which is a great application point. It's right there. Um, That's a pretty serious temptation. But showing how Jesus was the fulfillment of that and did that for all of us so that we can have that righteousness that he was even better, you know, and that that was huge for me because I would have never even read it like that before hearing that um, walked through. On a, in a church service. So that was cool. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that definitely started me on a path. It's pretty awesome. Natalie, what about you? And is there a time that you can think of where, um, we've kind of been asking people when, and when they come on the podcast, you know, what, what, was there a time for you that, I don't know, the Bible just kind of changed into something different for you? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think when I first became a believer, like really, I mean, I kind of grew up with sort of the, yeah, yeah, I like Jesus, whatever, kind of. But when I really became a believer and, and a follower of Jesus, I was reading the Left Behind series. Ooh. Yeah, right. Uh, and I know there's a lot of opinions out there about the series or whatever, but um, the book was was referencing different things in the Bible, and maybe it speaks to my skeptical nature, but I was like, what? That's not in there. Let me see. <laughs> And so I really started, that's when I really started reading the Bible. It was, it was more out of a fascination of, I never knew that was in there. I had no idea. And then as far as like the shadows of Jesus that are in there, uh, this is really kind of funny, but somebody bought one of my kids, this Jesus storybook Bible. And I was reading it to him one night and it has like, you know, all the, the stories of David and Goliath and Daniel in the lion's den and all that stuff. And every single story ended with a little thing that one day God was going to send another rescuer who was going to be able to do huh. this. And, and, and I was mm-hmm. like, wait a minute, that is like a shadow of Jesus. <laughs> and so a there kid's storybook actually kind of opened my eyes to the fact that the Old Testament wasn't just some old kooky stories. Yeah, I need to get a hold of that. Not that I meant to call the Bible kooky. Okay, no, I mean, I cool it's, stories. Yeah, to us, things yeah. can sound a little mm-hmm. yeah. kooky. Yeah, Ryan asked a great question about that last week and totally threw me off. And Did he? Yeah. Oh. yeah. He asked, you know, what do you say to people who, who kind of read or hear some of these stories from the Old Testament and, and think those are really radical, those are really weird? Like, how do you explain that to someone who doesn't... Um, you know, doesn't really have any background uh, information or knowledge on it. And I thought Matt would totally answer that when he looks at me and nods his head like, go ahead. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> you have to go back and listen, right? I do, I do. Go I have to listen. listen. Yeah, that's right. And I would have listened, but I, I gave no, myself that, the rule. I can't listen great. to anyone live stuff. Well, well, you could vacation. respond to it now, Brett. He what can, would you say to somebody who asked? I'll give you the context. I would say, hey, uh, you need to listen to Sarah's answer on this <laughs> it podcast. Wasn't great. It wasn't it great. Absolutely it was okay. When he asked it, we were talking about 
in numbers, they're talking about the people who will pack up the tabernacle and how detailed it is. And there's severe warnings to when you do things like that wrongly or handle the Ark of the Covenant wrongly or something like that. And he's like, that sounds super radical, right? And he posed that question, you know, it's like, Sarah? So. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I, I did throw a Hogwarts yeah. reference in there, so you'll have to. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that let that be yeah, a little hint there. Got it's weird. It's Hogwarts. That, that, Got weird. That's good, yeah. Well, we've already hit kind of 30 minutes, which is crazy. I feel like that we just started crazy. talking. That's right. Good. Gosh. Well, uh, I always uh, want to talk more. Yeah. Well, fire away. <laughs> well, Go ahead. Dude. Um, I do have a question that yeah. we'll kind of kind of close with. It's different. Um, and I, I didn't let you know this question beforehand. So it's it's from Kyle. And okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's a little bit longer. So I'm going to read it in its entirety. Um, and then we'll. Its entirety? Well, it's wow. a few sentences. There's an intro. Okay. Um, so the question is, what is the Sheol that Jacob, the father of Joseph, refers to in the book of Genesis? Also, what's the significance of the phrase, you would bring down my gray hairs with sorrow to Sheol? And the same story. It's repeated a few times in those chapters. I heard it once that repetition in the Bible is a clue to something is important, but I'm just not getting the context here. Is there something that would have been culturally significant at the time that we're no longer have a category for? So is this for just anybody? Okay. Not me. <laughs> oh, the, I'll, I'll let you oh, go okay. ahead, Brett. <laughs> the specific <laughs> reference I'm, I'm trying to pull out of my head, but I know that the concept of Sheol is important because there was a, there wasn't a fulfilled, or a filled out view, if you were an ancient Hebrew before Jesus, uh, especially in that time, of life after death. They didn't even view that you had life after death. You had a shadowy existence in that shield, and it's that for everybody. It doesn't matter how good you were or bad you were, anything else. To die was to be conscious, but barely, and it's a very shadowy, foggy sort of existence that they, that's how they view death. Uh, like they, they couldn't conceive of the soul is absolutely gone because the person is absolutely gone, but the person exists in an existence that's not really, uh, no one praises you in the Sheol is kind of the idea. You hear that the psalmist talk about that. And so, and there's a whole, C.S. Lewis does a great bit on that um, there about how in ancient Jewish tradition, you didn't have the reward of eternal life and the significance of that and why and uh, the the promise of heaven or any of those things. It was for this life to glorify God, and that adds a whole new twist to things. Um, but again, the, their their definition, as I understand it, was Sheol was this barely conscious sort of shadowy existence in the uh, in the next life, huh. uh, which meant death, um, mm -hmm. but not so much that you were just kind of unconscious, but you were somehow conscious and. Maybe God, and then later the tradition of the resurrection and all that kind of. That's why the res the physical resurrection is so important to them as well. We offer a book uh, called The Resurrection of the Son of God by N.T. Wright. It's in our lobbies. Um, it's very, very thick, big read, but it's great work on that. But he gets into that whole thing about Jewish people and how they viewed the resurrection and why it was so important for a physical resurrection to be present because they couldn't imagine a disembodied um existence beyond just the Sheol thing where everything was just um, oh, barely conscious, if you will. Does that make any sense? I hope. Yeah. Okay. I, I think so. I mean, I learned something I didn't know for sure. I just well, imagine go. like my mom saying like, boy, you're going to be the death of me when she says that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it sounds like that's a it. cultural phrase of the time yeah. possibly right, right. or yeah. something yeah. like that. But Yeah, you, that's why he would have said it. You're going to bring my old head down. But when they said Sheol, they had a picture right. in their head of... This was this is what death was, and it was just this place where I go, and I'm not living, I'm not praising him, but I'm just kind of conscious. Mm. 
Okay. Well, it's not that good. in my view. Sure. Yeah. That's right. And that would be a, a little depressing filled, to have that. Yeah, view. we have a more filled out. I want to live why in a golden mansion. <laughs> <laughs> What's your mansion going to look like? That's right. That's a good question, though. It's pretty pretty heavy stuff there. Good. It is. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Kyle. And if yeah. anybody else wants to send him a question in, uh, you can email it to podcast at onelifechurch.org, and we'll probably get it on the podcast at some point, except for that one that Thomas keeps sending in. So mm, we're okay. never going to answer that. We're never going to answer it. Nope. Okay, good. Uh, we might someday. Rule. That's good. Um, Brett, what are we talking about uh, this coming Sunday? Well, uh, referenced it a while ago. It was on the story of Joseph, and Joseph is a very long story, and it's very involved, and that's a cue that it's probably important where the Bible spills a lot of ink on one uh, person's life. Um, that's an indicator of that. So it's the story of Joseph, but it's in one message, so I'm trying to figure out a way, and I haven't quite figured it out yet, of the highlights that picture Jesus. Some have said there's as many as 100 different pictures of Jesus in the, in the life of Joseph, and uh, Karen Kislin even mentioned that that was the story that really, put her over the line on, I'm not seeing the Bible quite as I um, have, should have. And so it really, so we're going to do that angle on it. But also if you, again, I, like I said a while ago, if you've never, if you haven't read it in a while, it's a great story to return to because it's just, it's so human. And so a lot of lessons about God's providence versus our free will and yeah. all kinds of interesting. It, it plays out like there. a movie. Like oh, I can time. visualize Absolutely. it in my head from oh, yeah. beginning to end. It's, I need to reread yeah. it. It cool. follows a plot yeah. line of a movie. Kind of, it you know, yeah, Where, where's yeah, it at? Big time. Uh, it starts in Genesis 37 okay. and goes all the way to Genesis 50. So it's, it's, it's a lot of chapters. A lot of, chapter, a lot of chapters. I with one interruption. Today. There's chapter yeah. 38. It's a completely different story that you're wondering, why is that in here? And then it goes back to Joseph. And I mm -hmm. still don't know why it's in there. It's like, it's uh, it, that. Mm -hmm. But read Genesis chapter 38 just for kicks because it's a, speaking of weird stories, great weird story. <laughs> Just leave it at that. Just go. Mm -hmm. Just do oh, it. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. And actually, we have uh, Michael Karen joining us next week. All right. Yeah. Good deal. Possibly somebody else. Expert right on now. Joseph, Michael Yeah. Karen. Michael's right. going to come back in. He's has one of our most listened to podcasts. So. Oh, excellent. Because yeah. we got to boost our ratings. Yeah. Huh? He <laughs> talked to spiritual <laughs> guests last time he was on. Oh, so. that's right. Because he talked about speaking in tongues. Yeah. We'll just have him come back and just, just talk, talk about talk speaking about in tongues again. again. Yeah. Maybe have him actually speaking speak in tongues. In tongues. Oh, oh, Ooh, that's right. Do a demo. I'm uncomfortable. In the context of <laughs> we all should be uncomfortable. Oh, man. All right. Well, awesome. Natalie, thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. This is fun. This is fun. Come back and join us again. All right. <laughs> Matt, thanks for coming in and talking yeah. about your message, and thanks for teaching. Um, really appreciate it. Um, I always enjoy when you get the opportunity up there to get up and teach. So Thank you. Yep. Brett, we're glad to have you back. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. And I believe that's at least sort of sincere. It's so Good sincere, yeah. Ryan said over there it was weird last time. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> like it. Yeah. Well, they won't be doing that again. Okay, yeah. yeah. We'll leave that chair empty if you're ever we'll not put here. put Brett's name on the back of it. <laughs> that's right. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Church Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Inman. The One Life Church podcast is produced by me and Thomas Bernardin. Music by Ben Brock and Micah Robertson. To find out more about One Life Church, you can visit onelifechurch.org. Or to contact us directly at the podcast, just email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.